live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Oddly enough, he's back at work, yet not back at work. Live from Studio C, Senor! Deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Information Complex, this is the Armstrong and Getty Show for this Tuesday, the 14th of December, the year of our Lord, 2021. Dada, dada. This morning we're laboring under the tutelage of General Manager Einstein's definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, this time specifically referencing the Omicron variant. Oh, boy. So at any rate, uh, mask mandates, uh, closing of businesses, sending kids home from school. Uh, We've learned nothing from our previous experiences uh, in the battle against the Chinese bat fever. And indeed, the great and idiotic state of Cal Unicornia has uh, reimposed a universal mask mandate in uh, I can build businesses and schools and that sort of stuff. We can give you the particulars. I mean, Californians in particular will care about that. Um, but it is uh, it is extraordinary. In spite of the dearth of data demonstrating, indeed, that masks are effective, I'm looking at the map of the latest uh, outbreak of the Chinese bat fever. There it is. And, uh, indeed, some of the most shut down in particular states in the Union are the most affected uh, by the current wave of things. In particular, scanning down uh, Michigan, all across the upper Midwest, Illinois and Michigan, very blue states, very serious. Wisconsin, same thing. Um, New York State, Pennsylvania. It just appears to be the Northeast, where it's cold, and... Oddly enough, right there in the middle of the country, I believe that's uh, Kansas. Yes, indeed. I lived there for five years. You'd think I'd recognize it. Uh, Kansas. And then, uh, again, oddly enough, uh, New Mexico and uh, Arizona seem to be a little bit outbreaky, perhaps because of their older populations. Now, I'll tell you this. In the interest of fairness, the uh, rolling average of deaths is up uh, something like 20%. In the last two weeks, which is not cool. It's a little over 1,200 people a day uh, croaking around the United States. Uh, so there's, you know, it's still a serious disease. But um, I think the, the long story short is it's just it is what it is. And it will be something like this for a very long time. We need to plunge on with our lives and the kids schooling and the rest of it. We talked about it a fair amount late in the show yesterday. Some of the data is starting to come in about the uh, the closure of schools worldwide and the devastating effect that it's had on children. Not only uh, the loss of a certain number of years of schooling, but um, the fact that you really can't make that deficit up easily because of the plasticity of kids' brains at a young age. They just learn like sponges. And secondly, they'll just always be a little bit behind, which seems counterintuitive. You'd think you could catch kids up at some point, but... Um, they think the educational losses combined with what is increasingly clearly a devastating emotional toll that this has taken. We've turned, you know, a, a generation of kids weird and sad and depressed and anxious by our overreacting. 
which uh, brings me to one of the other grand themes of the show, which I will reintroduce when Jack's technical problems are uh, dealt with. He's broadcasting from home. He's home from the hospital. That's the good news. I mean, that's the fantastic news. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, he's having some problems connecting from his home studio, I guess. But anyway, one of the grand themes, and it's it's not a pleasant one, and I apologize for that. There's plenty of mirth and cheeriness to happen today, I promise. Um, but one of the themes is, I think we, the older people in America, are cavalierly and and with brutal selfishness sacrificing the kids and grandkids for our own needs. You see it in the ginormous budget deficits and the uh, and the national debt. There's no such thing really as well. I'm sorry. Let me put it to you this way. If you spend money, it will be paid for by taxes or future taxes. Borrowing is future taxes. It has to be, plus interest. And so we've put this enormous financial debt because of our selfishness and inability to govern ourselves on the youngsters. And then you look at the COVID thing, and to a large extent, uh, a lot that's been done about the whole COVID thing has been to save the 65-plus set, and, and really the 75-plus set. And I don't say that with any disrespect or, or willingness to sacrifice the lives of our, uh, you know, our seasoned citizens. Um, but from the beginning, the kids should have been in school. The kids should have been in school. They should have been exposed to the COVID. They should have gotten natural immunity, and they should have plunged on. We could have found ways to keep the teachers safe uh, without uh, without sacrificing the kids' educations. I just think. I don't know that hmm, it's funny watching cultures ebb and flow and the waves crash on the beach, but I just think we've become so obsessed with living forever that we've decided that um, the kids' needs just don't matter compared to ours. Um, so anyway, uh, that's not a very cheery note to start the show on, but we'll uh, we'll plunge on from there and uh, see what else we can talk about. Oh, there is some good news in the world of sanity, really outstanding news. And if you listen to the entire four-hour show, you've already heard this, but it bears repeating because it's so great. Two major Hispanic organizations have come out loud and clear and said, that whole Latinx thing is stupid. Love it. Woke speech codes suffered a major setback in the last couple of days. Some Hispanic lawmakers and the country's oldest Hispanic rights group put the kibosh on the use of the transgender-friendly term Latinx. I didn't think it was about transgender. I thought it was just that, please stop using gendered language when you're talking about Hispanic people. So the rejection of the Latinx label extended to some prominent Democratic lawmakers, including Nidia, Nidia M. Velasquez, a New York Democrat, first Puerto Rican woman elected to the House, I'm Latino, you know. Latinx, that's bull-ass, she said, and she went ahead and said the word. Meanwhile, LULAC, the League of United Latin American Citizens, which we have disagreed with rather vehemently on various issues through the years, but uh, still, they're you know one of your heritage Hispanic rights civil groups, uh, kicked Latinx to the curb as well. Domingo Garcia, the group's president, told its communications team board of directors last week, stop using the term in official communications. And Mark, uh, Mr. Garcia himself later described his ban as a death knell for Latinx. Quote, we probably put a stake in the heart of that Latinx movement. I think we're killing it. 
He told the Washington Times, I don't have anything against people who want to use it and want to define themselves by it. Lulak just decided that we need to move on with terms that are more inclusive and more in use by everyday Jose's and Maria's, which is a funny way to put it, too, and I appreciate that. He said the term is very unliked by most Hispanics. According to an international poll of many hundreds of Hispanic voters last month, found that only 2% acknowledged the word, and 40% of Hispanics were offended by it. So, offended to use it is 20 to 1 among Hispanics. Now, this would mostly be amusing and kind of satisfying in that it was, you know, sticking it to the NPR crowd and the woke crowd and the soch major grievance studies overeducated self-righteous white people crowd. But I think it's kind of a useful uh, thing to look at because it makes clear what an outsized influence they have. I mean, why are we discussing this term at all? I mean, we might as well be discussing calling white people snowman faces. Nobody uses it. Practically nobody's heard of it. Anybody who does hear of it thinks it's stupid. But it's become this, uh, this uh, if you don't use it, you're, you're a bad person. And the New York Times has used it, uh, is using it. Washington Post, NPR, MSNBC, all of them use it based on tiny percentage of americans who went to these woke social classes it's crazy isn't it so when this stuff starts happening you think wow that's nuts that that, me and my neighbors don't think that way in fact nobody i know my coworkers don't think that way what the hell is that that seems weird you're right it's weird ignore it ignore it we'll have mailbag coming up our freedom loving quote of the day and a lot more good stuff we'll get jack hooked up and going thank you for being here stay with us The Armstrong and Getty Show. Some interesting stuff came out uh, yesterday around the whole January 6th thing. A lot of texts are now out from a whole bunch of Fox hosts who are trying to get a hold of President Trump on that day. Like Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram and others saying, Hey, dude, what are you doing? Get Get control of this. His own son, Donald Trump Jr., Saying, Dad, this has gone too far. Come on. So uh, we'll get into some of that. It's pretty interesting. Boy, that is interesting. Yeah. Speaking of cable news, for what it's worth, uh, some of the ratings are out, and they are amazing. I I watch cable news. I wish I didn't. It's the curse of this job. Um, But I could not (laughs) believe, I could not believe some of the statistics. So uh, stay tuned to be uh, blown away, or at least shocked, or at least mildly surprised. (laughs) Or at least casually interested. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day. I decided because, you know, we're we're getting on to Christmas time and it's December and everything ought to be more festive and relaxed. Let's have some fun this week with our freedom-loving quotes of the day. And I went to the fabulous Mark Twain. Actual Mark Twain quotes, not Mark Twain saying, the problem with liberals is they use the Internet too much. I mean, legitimate, (laughs) documented Mark Twain quotes. I love this one particularly because uh, we've been talking about this subject, talking about the COVID this morning already. Mark Twain said this, The fear of death follows from the fear of life. A man who lives fully is prepared to die at any time. It's an interesting thought. It really is. 
Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I see what he means. A, a, a person, a person, obviously. He said a man because he was a sexist. Sexism, misogyny, the patriarchy. Uh, but yeah, a person who lives fully figures, well, I've had a hell of a ride, I guess. I hope I feel that way. But so the, the idea being like if you're holding back and thinking, I'm going to do all these other things in the future, and then uh, you, you have a brush with death, it's like, wait a second, I haven't done my life yet. Yeah. Yeah. This is a horror. One of our uh, other major themes while you were trying to get connected was that, and, and it's it's dark and it's serious, and I almost hate to bring it up again, but I think the COVID, like the wild government spending we the people have condoned, is an example of horrific mountainous selfishness, where we sacrifice the uh, financial burden uh, onto our children, and indeed, we've screwed up a generation of kids and failed to educate them out of fear of old people dying of COVID. Because nobody feared the kids were going to die. Well, I suppose the people who listen to the harem scarem lefty channels, that's right. They, they thought it was 80 times as deadly as it was for kids. So, okay, I, I stand somewhat uh, corrected there. Um, the, the media, in their desire to whip up clickbait and fear, you know, they, they helped us along to our selfishness. But anyway... Uh, mailbag. Nice note from Phil who went to the mall the other day, went to the pottery barn. It's a barn full of pottery. It's amazing. Yes, yes. whenever you um, need pottery, go to the pottery barn. And the shelf of initial coffee mugs were like, I would get a big J mug, right? Yep, my kids both have those. Well, a bunch were arranged uh, to spell out FJB. <laughs> oh, no. What? No, the let's go LGB. The sanctity of Christmas at the Pottery Barn. Yeah, I know. I know. Let's go. Let's go, Brandon. Come on. It's the sanitized version. Uh, let's see. Uh, JK writes, so pretty, pretty Gavin Newsom doubling down on the inside mask mandate for all of Cal Unicornia for the next 30 days. Here's how we beat it mercilessly about the head and shoulders. It's unnecessarily graphic, JK, but reading on. We organized several groups of 50 to 150 people. That are tired of all the government overreach. Then we go to places easy to infiltrate. Stores, malls, etc. In a coordinated effort, we flood the targets with dozens, hundreds of unmasked folks simultaneously. Uh, if the businesses don't respond, then the flood mandates simply dissipate on their own because the rest of the patrons aren't going to bother wearing masks if the site is flooded with the unmasked. You know, it's kind of um, interesting, the, the reaction nationwide to uh, California with uh, their new whole state mask mandate. Um, the, where I live, the county I live in and the county I work in have been under a mask mandate the entire time. So this would have no effect on me. I'm in California. We never stopped wearing masks. I know a lot of counties in California did. And I know a buddy had two of my oldest best friends visit me while I was in the hospital. And they're like, we don't even know the COVID's happening. <laughs> one of them in Utah and one of them in Kansas. Wow. I'd worn a mask in forever till they came to California. Wow. Wow, I keep forgetting your county's under a mask mandate. It seems oh, so yeah. crazy to me. Oh, yeah, we and where I work. Work and live. It's all... When when my kids and I go to the store, we wear a mask. We've been doing this for going on two years. Yeah, wow. Well, and then J.K. Uh, goes on to write, but if they call the police for assistance, then... Okay, so there we are, all in the store unmasked, to make a point, right? Well, if they call the cops, we have to pick up merchandise worth less than $950 and walk out. Since the cities aren't prosecuting crimes of this magnitude, the cops aren't going to bother to arrest anyone, especially if there are enough of us to create an overwhelming problem. 
once the word gets out that this is going on, the businesses will no longer make any effort to enforce the mask mandates. Uh, I like that twist at the end where you shoplift $949 because that will immunize you against the cops paying any attention to you in the stupid state of, uh, and stupid and beautiful and wonderful state of Cal Unicornia. Uh, let's see. We also statewide got statewide mandates. Statewide mandates in a giant state are moronic. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, you got counties because, that hardly have any people and no COVID. Yeah, yeah. Well, including and and some of the most vaccinated counties have the most COVID. Some of the least vaccinated counties have the least. And, and we'll hit those statistics for you. It just goes to show we over and over again think we can control this. We can deal with this. We can stop this thing. We'll stop this. Red, blah blah blah. And we fail over and over and over and over and over again. And we, meaning humanity, all around the world. Text out of the January 6th thing, what a lot of Fox hosts were saying. It's pretty interesting. I'll be, uh, I'll be interested in your reaction to them. Armstrong and Getty. <laughs> the Armstrong and Getty Show. Yo, yo, yo. Home from the hospital. Back to normal. I'm at, yes. I'm at home home. I hope to be in the radio studio with all the rest of the fellas uh, tomorrow, but I'm at home home, but not in the hospital. And I was just, I'll tell you what, I don't know how many people listening have ever spent that many days in the hospital. A lot of people never do. My, I don't think either one of my parents have ever spent four days in the hospital in a row. I don't think my dad has spent four days in the hospital cumulative in his life. No, I don't think I have either. And I've had, you know, multiple joint replacements. It's just, especially in the modern world, they don't keep you in the hospital very much. You know, when you have a baby or whatever the heck happens. And uh, it's weird to be in the hospital for that many days. It's weird. Although I recommend it highly as a weight loss plan. Highly. <laughs> I lost wow. five pounds effortlessly. Wow. Wow. How'd you lose it? Oh, I got real sick and went to the hospital. Tell me more. <laughs> I was in the hospital. For... But that laying in bed for that long is just... Makes you feel weird being in the same room. Just, I mean, how many people ever spend four days in the same room? I mean, it's just weird. What it, mm. it's just it's a weird thing for your 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 brain is your body just aren't meant for that. And you're like an inmate, and they get to jab you. Yeah, you know, well, one inmates about, don't get jabbed unless you know their cellmate gets sick of them. One thing about sleeping in my own bed last night: nobody came in, woke me up, and stuck a needle in my belly at any point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad the really kids fantastic. didn't do that. Huh? I'm glad your kids didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Jeez. Oh, that being wow. awakened, you know, and it's sound asleep, because it's so hard to sleep in a hospital, that being awakened and then and then realize it, it takes you a second to realize where you are, and the first thing you realize is, I'm about to get stuck with a needle. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah, big, right. Make I mean, a little ah! edgy. A little edgy after a while. Yeah, it does. Put you on edge. <laughs> Hard Anywho. to really drift off into dreamland, isn't it? Oh, man, I ought to go to sleep so I can get woken up in a couple of hours and jabbed with a sharp object. Mm. In the belly. In the belly. <laughs> Food was actually pretty good, though. But, uh, you know, I guess I guess just eating right uh, and fear caused me to lose five pounds. So uh, that's my diet. I might come no, out of this. It felt horrible. I'm guessing you weren't like eating th- three squares a day. You know, the early part of being in the hospital, I don't remember that well. So I, I don't know. 
there might have been a couple of days where I didn't even eat. I don't I don't even really remember. That's kind of mm. drifting in and out all the time. Anywho, everything seems to be back to normal. I just don't have a gallbladder anymore. So we haven't been following the January 6th hearings that much. I think at some point they're probably going to be a giant national story for everybody. But that's a long ways off. And if y'all want to follow the ins and outs of who's subpoenaed and who didn't show up and blah, 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 there's there's plenty of people doing that. I just, I don't know. I'm not that compelled by that stuff. But I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on what happened, too. I don't know that I need a hearing, but go on. A whole bunch of text messages came out yesterday, and part of it is because Donald Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, has gone back and forth on his cooperation around this whole thing. He uh, he wasn't going to cooperate with executive privilege. Then he did cooperate for a time, and then he went back to, I'm not going to cooperate uh, because um, conversations between the president and his staff are privileged and nobody should get to hear them. And that's a that's an, a very, very old uh, legal theory in our government, and I think it makes sense to most people. How could a president ever get any advice, any honest advice from anybody, if people didn't think they could give advice that's going to stay, you know, uh, secret? Sure. Anywho. During the period of time that the chief of staff for Donald Trump was cooperating, he released a whole bunch of text messages that he had back and forth between group texts and all kinds of stuff. And Liz Cheney, you know, the anti-Trump Republican who's uh, working on the January 6th committee, read some of the, the, the texts last night. And it was pretty interesting. Some of the people involved, a lot of Fox hosts and Donald Trump's own son, uh, some of the texts. So uh, I'll just hit you with a couple of those. And I'll, and I'll be interested in, you know, if this means anything to you. Um, as it says here, I'm reading from the dispatch, it wasn't just the establishment wing of the party that was reaching out to Meadows, the chief of staff, with alarm to try to tell Donald Trump to try to stop the the insurrection or whatever you want to call it at the Capitol. He's got to condemn this S-A-S-A-P. The Capitol Police tweet is not enough. Donald Trump Jr. texted, referring to his father's post, asking orders uh, rioters to stay peaceful. So his own son said he's got to condemn this. S, and he spelled it out, which was sent 15 minutes after Trump condemned Vice President Mike Pence for not having the courage to do what should have been done. Uh, Mark Meadows replied that he agreed and was pushing it hard, leading Trump Jr. to note has gone too far and gotten out of hand. So again, let me let me stop you right here. I want to point something out because there are a hell of a lot of things Trump did that I thought were great, like historically great. And a lot of things he did that I thought were just really, really good. There were also some really dumb things, and January 6th was a very, very bad day for his presidency. Now, some of you just love Trump so much, you won't hear a negative word about him. And the idea that he should have said, leave Mike Pence alone, leave the Capitol, stop the violence, come out forcefully, you won't hear it. You, you know, you're convinced, oh, you're part of something or other. We're going to go through his son, his number one son. His closest advisors in the media, his cabinet members, all saying this has got to stop. All right. So now keep in mind, if we ever say January 6th was ugly and shouldn't have happened, keep in mind, all these people are saying the same at the same time. He's destroying everything we've accomplished. Brian Kilmeade texted the chief of staff. Fox and Friends co-host, please get him on TV. That's from Brian Kilmeade. Sean Hannity texted him, can he make a statement, ask people to leave the Capitol? Laura Ingram texted, Mark, the president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. This is hurting all of us. He's destroying his legacy. 
Laura Ingram led off her show that night by saying the riot will only serve to make the lives of MAGA supporters more difficult, no doubt, and even imperil the movement they fought so hard for. So uh, it's interesting that behind the scenes you had Kilmeade, Hannity, and Ingram saying, get him to call this off, get him to stop this, including his own son. Well, then they were right. It, 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 It made it and has made it so difficult to be in the crowd that says, hey, I, I, I like the way things were going with Trump as president. I still think they're better off with Trump than Hillary by a lot. Mm-hmm. And th- I think that's what the Fox hosts were seeing and saying, you know, don't make this hard on us. Yeah, yeah, don't make it harder, it, nearly impossible to defend the guy at this point. I mean, the whole calling for, you know, Pence's blood and and the the messages from the white house not making it clear that that was not going to happen and indeed saying you know pence should have come through for us that was just that was indefensible and if you defend it i mm, not sure what to think well you you know what you've probably been misinformed like so many people have been you've bought the rantings of sydney powell for instance and and sorry i just i can't go there um They'll have this hearing at some point. They're going to try to get it as close to the election as they can to try and uh, make it damaging to Republicans. And, uh, you know, that's the way that'll play out. And I'm sure we'll talk about that months from now, whenever that happens. So uh, I came across some really interesting cable news ratings, and I wanted to share them with you. Maybe uh, after a a quick break. Am I about um, to find out that all of us in media paying attention to cable news and Twitter... Nobody's actually on Twitter and nobody's actually watching cable news. Is that what I'm going to find out? No. No, not not really. No. I'm not saying that's not mostly true, uh, but this is a different angle at the thing. So it's a yes and no. Mostly yes. Almost entirely (laughs) yes. No, no, no. Wait a minute. I'll explain it to you in just a minute or two. If you want to hit us with a text, 415-295-KFTC. Stay here. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Of course, we live in a world where any second we could get the breaking news that the Russians have just pushed into Ukraine. I mean, they're still there on the border bayonets at uh, at the ready, as an expression, not a reality. Um, And uh, the world still wonders. So we'll obviously bring that to you should it happen. I keep hearing people saying early next year. I don't know how they know that. That seems to be the conventional thinking, but... uh, I have no idea what that's based on either. And somebody just texted me, doesn't the gallbladder weigh five pounds? I I, I don't know, but I'm guessing your gallbladder weighs like ounces at the most. My guess would be. I think it's probably a tiny little gross skin muscle thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's just just part of your body. There's nothing disgusting about the human body, Jack. In fact, look at this. <laughs> oh, you know, so uh, earlier in the hour, if you're just tuning in, we are talking about how uh, the major Hispanic organizations, including Hispanics in Congress, have come out and said the whole Latinx thing is stupid. Nobody says it. Nobody says it. 
The number of Hispanics who use it is 2%. The number of Hispanics who resent it is 40%. It's outnumbered 20 to 1 hate v. like. And yet, NPR, New York Times, Washington Post, the Alphabet Networks, they use the term. How outsized is their influence? They're representing nobody. It's crazy. And in a similar way, there was this piece by uh, Jack Schaefer in Politico the other day, which is kind of amusing, talking about uh, how it's past time for everyone, particularly journalists, to stop paying so much attention to cable news. He says, nary a day goes by without somebody saying something stupid somewhere on cable that ignites a national uproar that seizes the news cycle for days. Well, we don't engage in that. We might comment on it, but we don't pretend like it matters because it doesn't matter. Um, But having said that, the uh, latest cable news ratings are out, and I'm going to have to crane my neck because it's way over on the computer screen I almost never use. So your number one show on Friday, this is all uh, last Friday, um, number one cable news show, uh, The Five, which I find semi-unwatchable. I don't know why. I just don't. It's not great. Um, But it's the number one show with 3.1 million viewers. Number two, Tucker Carlson Tonight, 2.85 million. Number three, Hannity. We're down to 2.3. Sorry, it's far enough away. I really ought to have my glasses on. Uh, Then let's see. Number four is the Ingram Angle. Number five, special report with Brett Baer. Have you noticed a trend yet? They're all Fox News shows. Your top five. Finally, at number six, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome what a lady she is, the Rachel Maddow Show. Uh, just over two million viewers, which is which is pretty good, I suppose. Then we're back to Fox News. Gutfeld, America's newsroom, uh, the re-airing at night with Dana Perino and uh, Bill Hemmer. Then Fox News Primetime, then Fox and Friends, then America's Newsroom with uh, Perino and Hammer again, the uh, the original broadcast, then Fox and Friends, then Your World with Neil Cavuto, then the story with Martha McCallum, all on Fox News. So in case you've lost track, that's 13 of the 14 top shows are on Fox News. Then you have uh, the Chris Hayes Show uh, and, and Deadline White House on MSNBC, weighing in at number 15, 16. Then we go back to a couple of Fox News shows, an MSNBC show, three Fox News shows in a row, then four MSNBC shows in a row. Wait a minute, you're saying, wait a minute, Joe. You've left something out, haven't you? Well, no, I haven't really. You've got to get down to the 27th ranked show to get a CNN show. Anderson Cooper, 360, is ranked 27th among cable news viewers. Wow. And that's the CNN's top show. I've never seen one minute of it. I, I haven't watched a CNN show in I don't know how many years. Yeah, I'll see excerpts of it now and again when they make the news. But uh, Andy Cooper, their biggest star, now that the, that, uh, the lion groper Cuomo, or the groping liar, I can't remember, it's one or the other, or both. Uh, <laughs> Are he's, you a uh, lying groper or a groping liar? Right, 676,000 people. Well, so here's here's my take on this is i think we're all becoming aware that twitter has way outsized influence cable news has way outsized influence were we better off when everybody that's interested in debating the news of the day was when more people were watching cable news are we better off when they aren't i would have years ago i would have said we're better off if we aren't watching them because they're all the horror show uh, 
I mean, just the cable news is a horror. Uh, everything's spun. It's inaccurate. It's it's awful. But at a least horror, we're all not a whore. It it horror. Yeah, I guess. a horror. Yes, yeah, I wasn't okay. calling. I just it a want horror. to make sure that was clear. That shows well, a horror. That too. <laughs> well, yeah. oddly what enough, kind of, <laughs> kind of an expression is that. Um, but at least we're all talking about you know the same thing. If we if. People who want to get past cable news as, uh, you know, the decider of what's the conversation, I really understand why you want to do that, because it is a horror. But now are we often decide? It's kind of like how we can't talk about our favorite TV show anymore. Used to be in the old days, we all come into work to see Seinfeld last night. Yeah, wasn't it funny? But no, now everybody watches a different show at a different time, and you can't talk about it at all because there's no common ground. Is that where we're going with all news stories? That won't be better. Well, I flipped to uh, the CNN app on my phone the other day just because I tried to take in a wide variety of, of info. And their top, I think, was four stories were all about the January 6th hearings. And I was thinking, wow, that is just that is way like out there uh, toward the outer periphery of my consciousness. I'm just not paying attention to it. Uh, and, and it's their top four stories. But, you, crazy. you know, I think the TV show watching TV analogy is pretty good. It, in that we'll just get to where you don't bring up TV that much because, you know, you're not going to bring that up at a dinner because nobody's watching the same show for the most part. And if two people are both watching Squid Game, they get so excited because they've got sure. something in common. I think we're going to be that way with news stories, and I'm not oh. sure that's good. Oh, yeah, to that end, let me uh, let me check this because it was just extraordinary. Whoops. Um, I flipped open the New York Times app this morning. Let me go back to the front page. And the first one, two, Gatekeepers. I think that's what I'm getting at. We've got to have some gatekeepers of what the stories are at the time. I think we need to have that. New York Times, first four stories about uh, COVID slash the Omicron variant. First four. I was at a Christmas party last night. Yeah, I know. Monday night. Eh, What are you going to do? We were invited. Nice folks. We went. Um... There was not a single word spoken about the vid, and we were there for two-plus hours. Not a single word in any conversation did anybody <laughs> attempt to bring that up in any regard. Because, a lot of these because folks, they were busy talking about the January 6th hearings. Yeah, not so much. And a lot of these folks are retired, by the way. There's middle-aged and retired people, almost entirely. Um, nobody had anything to say about it whatsoever. And it's the first four stories in the New York Times. And then the first four stories in CNN are the January 6th thing. Very odd. And I get niche media. I'm in the media. I understand why you picked that particular business model. You know, it's like not every store sells everything. Some stores sell greeting cards. Some sell sporting goods. Some sell shoes. That's fine. Um, the, the concept of the department store is vanishing. But we really ought to have department media, shouldn't we? It, wouldn't it help? Oh, well. I read something the other day about the reason nostalgia is so huge now. Part of it is because we don't have the shared experiences of, for instance, TV shows. So we love it if we can all say, do you remember this? Yeah, I remember that, too, because we got we have nothing current to talk about that we have in common. So we go back to the past of things that we used to have in common. Well, that's fine for entertainment, I guess. I'm not sure if it's that important. I, I miss the shared experience of everybody watching the same TV shows. I thought that was fun. But if it gets that diffuse with media and news and what the stories of the day are, I don't know how that what that's going to look like. 
Yeah, and I don't want to be old guy constantly nostalgic, but, you know, it goes back to there used to be a, a couple of music radio stations and everybody of every race, color, creed, and age listened to the same pop music. And it would vary from the Eagles to Michael Jackson and everything in between, and uh, and and you had something to relate to each other. And it's not about the TV shows, and it's not about the music. It's about the ability to connect with other human beings who otherwise you might not. And that's a it's a beautiful and valuable thing. We're going to talk more about uh, community uh, in terms of uh, drug addiction and stuff like that with Miss uh, Sam Quinones. Um That's I don't know how to replace that. I don't know if it can be replaced. I think it will be replaced. It might not be by something better. That's the problem. That's what I'm. Well, it's about. being replaced by vehement politics, right? Right, right. and that's absolutely true. Um, those cable news numbers are amazing. So, cable news, I should, should ignore Twitter. I should ignore. Well, I'll start ignoring them both. Then. You should certainly ignore CNN. Armstrong and Getty. <laughs> 